You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey guys, you may be seated. I trust and hope you had a uh, good Thanksgiving. I enjoyed seeing all the empty pots and pans and bowls. I guess people got together over the holidays. I don't know if it was life groups or whatever, but uh, I love seeing those come back empty. So you seem well fed today, I guess, you know, and if you're like our house, if you didn't get enough on Thanksgiving Day, you probably can go back for the next couple of days and live off of whatever is floating around the fridge. But once it gets that kind of black green stuff on the top, you know, you're kind of done at that point, you know, throw it out. So definitely recommend that. Well, this morning I, uh, we're going to talk about uh, dealing with emotions in the book of Proverbs, particularly negative emotions. And the number one that the Bible talks about is anger. Proverbs has a lot to say about anger. I remember a number of years ago, not proud of the moment, but I'll share it with you. I was having a phone conversation. It was actually, there was nobody here. It wasn't even this church, but True Confessions as a pastor, it was a church member, somebody I was good friends with, you know, and had known. And in fact, she just passed away a couple of months ago, and Susan and I went to see, uh, to see her husband. We just loved them, just treasured them so much for that time. But I don't remember the nature of the conversation, but I remember the day vividly in my office, just sitting there, and was on the phone, and whatever we were talking about, I just got mad at the end of the conversation. It, she just made me mad. I was, I was mad, and I had a, in my hand, this was kind of before the uh, smartphones of the day, I had one of those, you know, handheld, uh, had like my calendar on it, maybe, I don't remember if it was emails or whatever, and I was mad, and I threw it down on the ground after that, and I picked it up, and this, guess what, the screen was broken, and it was shot, you know, it, they're really not meant to be thrown around, if you, I won't ask you how many of you have thrown a cell phone before, or a smartphone, but I bet I'm not the only one who has done that. You know, anger really rises up within us, and it takes control of us in that moment, and it just overwhelms and floods the system. And every one of us battle those moments of anger. Every one of us in this room have said things that we regret. We have done things we wish we wouldn't have. We wish we would not have gotten angry. We've realized on the backside of it, why did I do that? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about anger. We're going to talk this week about emotions, and we're going to jump over next week, because next week, as Dan said, it's our annual meeting. We're going to talk about just kind of plans. I'm going to talk about how do we, in our own lives, make plans, and how do we follow God's leading in our lives. We'll talk about that as a church. But uh, we're going to share uh, the week after that another message just about dealing with emotions as well. Emotions today, I've noticed in our culture, seem to they run amok. I just, we struggle with them, and I think we're even struggling to even know how to have the conversation in the medical world, even in just the popular world, and the Bible has so much to say about it. So buckle your seatbelts. We're going to talk about anger this morning. Let me read a couple of Proverbs to you. Proverbs chapter 14, the Bible says this, a man of quick temper acts foolishly. If I didn't know that before that day, I discovered it that day. A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. A hot-tempered man, 1518, stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. 
The Bible tells us that anger is a dangerous thing. It will make a mess in our lives. You know, there's two things that I know that, that I'm aware of that give us a window into our soul. We talk about these. The real us, folks, is not on the outside. We, we should all know by now, if we don't know it, the real us is not on social media. It is not what gets put on Instagram or Facebook or or any other thing, TikTok, that is not the real us. The real us is even deeper than what we're looking at this morning. The real us is down inside of us. And the Bible says it's out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth is a window to what's in the heart. If you want to catch a glimpse of what's down inside, listen to what you're saying. Listen to how you're saying it. Listen to what others are saying and how they're saying it. And it's a window down inside. We can deny it. We can do everything we want to say that's not true, but it is. The other one is our emotions. See, our emotions are like a flashlight. When they well up, we see them, and they are another viewpoint down to what's inside of our soul, what's important to us, what we're valuing, what's going on under the hood, if you will. It's the, you know, the, it's the diagnostic that the the, the, the technician at the garage, the shop, plugs your car in to see why it's making that noise. It tells us it's a window to what's happening inside. And God cares deeply about our emotions. And the Bible has so much to say about it. A couple of these things that we see, anger ultimately leads to us acting foolishly. It makes a fool of us. When we fall into anger, when we do it quickly, we end up being fools. We're talking through the, we're sharing through the, the series through the book of Proverbs, and it's all about wisdom and righteousness, really, that is, is, if you're wise, you're righteous. If you're righteous, you're wise. Those two things go hand in hand, as we talked about a few weeks ago. But we don't want to be foolish. And yet our anger rises up within us, and it gets the best of us. It leads us to say things that we shouldn't say, and that if we were stopping and thinking, we wouldn't say, because in that moment, our thinking shuts down. When the anger rises up within us, that emotion takes over. It becomes a fight-or-flight kind of situation, and our, our brain truly shuts off. I'm not a medical doctor, but my understanding, like, blood flow moves in different places, and when you're angry, you get a little bit stronger. You just you do things, right? And it messes you up. And then later on, when you think, you're like, why did I do that? That was just... That was so dumb. So dumb. You see, our emotions are, are there for a reason. They're actually, all the emotions, from my understanding, are good. There aren't bad emotions and good emotions. Usually the problem is in quantity. Anger has a place. We'll talk about it in a minute. The Bible doesn't say anger is always wrong. My experience is probably 90% wrong, at least for me. Usually when I'm angry, it's sin. But Jesus got angry a couple of times, and last time I checked, he knew no sin, and he did nothing wrong, but neither did he hold a grudge, and neither did he go off and do foolish things, and he was always in control of that. And those are the things that you and I struggle with. But our emotions are motivators to action. They motivate us to do something. The pastors in our group of churches had a little retreat over in Western Mass about a month or so ago, two months ago, I don't remember, time goes by so quickly. And uh, we ended up seeing a, a mama bear and her cub was hanging around camp, which is kind of a cool thing, except in my background, I'm like, 
That's not a cool thing when you surprise a mama bear and her cub. Like, you do not get between one of those. And, and she was just around all the time. And it just it, it was a little unsettling to me. And, and so she began walking. We were on the deck, and she was only like 100 yards away, scrounging around for apples and started to walk by this pond. And there was some guy oblivious to her sitting by the, the pond or the lake. And he started walking up. And we could see it kind of like unfolding, like a car accident. Like he's walking this way, the bear's walking this way, and he's walking up. And somebody yelled like, sir, you need to come up here now, quickly. And he kind of just looked, and he just kept the same pace. And I said, sir, there's a mama bear coming your way, and she's right over there. And all of a sudden, he just books it. Fear is a good thing when you should be afraid, you know. There's a time to be angry at something when something is wrong and it needs to be addressed and dealt with. Anxiousness is a good thing because it motivates you to do something, but it's when it's chronic. We've talked about that before, and it's debilitating. You're not trusting in God, and it's, that's a whole other animal. So our emotions are not bad. They serve a purpose. They're motivators. And if you look at this in Proverbs, it's borne out. They motivate us to do something. They motivate us to action. We just need to make sure that it's under control, that we don't act foolishly. They lead us to engage with people. That's why they stir up strife. Because we have a sense that there's something wrong that needs to be addressed. But when our anger is aimed in the wrong direction and when it's not aimed and it's not controlled and it's not handled and done well, it damages relationships. It damages people. It does harm, not good. A car is a beautiful thing when it's under control. Put it in a skid on ice and put it on, you know, on the throughway. It is not a beautiful thing when you see another car in your lane come in your direction. And that is a dangerous thing. And anger is usually like that for us. It motivates us to do something, to action into our life. But it must be controlled. And ultimately, it leads us. It is a gateway to other sin. It, most of the anger that you and I have Flat out is sin. It's against God. It dishonors God. It comes out of a heart of selfishness. It comes out of a heart of self-centeredness. It comes out of a heart of us trying to control something and, and, and not getting our way and our expectations not being met. And we get angry in that. All of us do. But it really is not only just that it's a problem, it leads to even bigger sins. And it leads us to doing other things that are wrong. And we feel justified in it. Not only that, but look at the other damage that anger causes. Look at Proverbs 16 says, 16.32 says this, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. You see, when you and I are angry, we actually think we're becoming powerful. We feel threatened, and we get defensive, and we're trying to protect, and we're trying to control, and actually we are becoming more vulnerable. And when we're slow to anger, we're like somebody that is a strong person. In fact, people who are quick to anger are very weak individuals. They're not powerful. They're vulnerable in that. And it rules over their life. And it just makes such a mess. And then finally... Proverbs 19, 19 says this, A man of great wrath will pay the penalty, for if you deliver him, you will only have to do it again. Wow, is there truth in that? When you and I are angry that way, there's always a price to be paid. 
when I threw that thing down on the, the ground, I remember for the next several weeks, every inconvenience I had of not being able to use it of the price that my anger cost me. And I felt so convicted over that. And God drilled that down into my soul. It was not the last time I was angry. I will be angry again because we're all sinners before God, but it's never an excuse. And I, my hope this morning is, is that God will use this to help each of us to grow and to deal with it a little bit more. But there's a penalty to be paid. There's a price tag to our anger. Make no mistake about it. When you and I are angry, there is always a price to be paid. And when we bail somebody else as a person of anger, that Proverbs just told us, guess what? We get to do it again and again and again and again and again. If we're trying to get them out of that, there's always a penalty to be paid. Anger ultimately never works the righteousness of God, James, the book of James says. So who's responsible for our anger? I intentionally kind of said this earlier, you know, when I was talking about the phone call I had with a friend to this day. Love her very much. I look forward to seeing her in heaven again one day. But I said, she made me angry. Isn't that the way we always say it? You made me angry. And we always put our feelings, the responsibility of them, on the other person. Always. It's never our fault. You did something wrong. You weren't nice to me. You didn't treat me right. You were awful to me. It's your fault. It's never our fault. Actually, the Bible tells us, folks, it's the opposite. We are responsible for our own emotions. We're responsible. We're the ones experiencing it. We, we, we live in a culture today that the messaging that goes on happens all around us. The underlying belief is that we are victims to our emotions. That we're not, we don't have the ability to control them. We're powerless to them. And it's not our fault if we feel certain ways. But folks, that's not what God tells us. We're responsible for even what wells up inside of us in those moments. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians. The book of Proverbs doesn't address this directly, but Ephesians gives us some clue. Paul the Apostle says this. He says, be angry. See, there is a time for it. And do not sin. Be angry, but be really careful. Because <laughs> you're getting close, my friend. And on top of it, make sure it goes away. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, deal with it quickly. Anger should be a passing experience. And it should not be something that carries on. One of the early commitments that Susan and I made, we knew as we got married that we would fight because we knew that every couple does. But we agreed that we would not go to bed angry with each other. That we would do whatever we needed to do, even if we couldn't figure out and get it solved in that moment, that we would not do that. It was one of those commitments that just, it was important. You can't break God's word. Because the last thing I wanted was to give, according to this passage, the devil an opportunity in my marriage. When you and I have sin that goes on and on in our life, we are putting a welcome sign on the soul, the door of our soul, letting the enemy come in and create all kinds of havoc for us. And so the Bible tells us to stop it. We're responsible for it. In verse 31 and 32, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, clamor is the noise that you make. When you, people get angry, they don't keep it to themselves. They're stirring it up and the slander, the things that you're talking about people. Let it be put away from you along with all malice, getting in and stirring things up. In other words, let it go. 
You're responsible. You're able. We are accountable. We are told to deal with it and not to just feel like it's not our fault and we can't help ourselves. We feel helpless in that moment because those emotions hit and it has the whole physiological effect and I'm not a, not a doctor, physician, and I don't never take an anatomy and physiology and all the ologies with the human body, but when those emotions rile up, it does things to you chemically in your body, but your brain is still engaged and somehow in the middle of it, you've got to say, okay, I'm going to make a choice and deal with it and allow that stuff to begin to drain out of you and to address those things in the moment, but instead be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. So the biggest thing, if you've struggled with taking responsibility for your anger this morning that you need to hear, if that's something you tend to blame other people with, is stop. It's you're responsible. You're accountable to God. God says deal with it. Now, I'm not saying there aren't hard things that happen in life. I'll talk about that in a minute. I'm not saying that we all ought to just walk around, oh, everything's good, nothing bad's ever happened to me. I'm just such a happy, good person. My life's wonderful and everything's great. But we are responsible to deal with that stuff that rises in us. So how are we going to do that? This is where I really want to camp out this morning. First thing, this is again James, and it was too good to not share again, but James 1 says this, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. If there's any verse we need to hear in dealing with anger, it's this one. Be quick to listen. Quick. Somebody else is speaking. Instead, we get quick to get mad. <laughs> we think we hear something. And we respond, and our brain's off and running, and the juices are already going as a person's speaking. And the Bible says, stop. Be quick to listen to what other people are saying. Pump the brakes. Slow down. Be slow to anger. You're in control of that. You're responsible for that. Your life is not in a skid. Pump the brakes. Be slow to anger. And be slow to speak. Talk less if you want to not be angry. Quit trying to defend yourself. Quit trying to Jump to conclusions in your mind and listen. The proverb says it, he who answers a matter before he hears it, to him it's folly and shame. And when we rise up in anger, we really have not heard everything that the person is saying and what's going on. And we, we make conclusions and we don't understand the situation. And we get angry. And instead, we need to make sure, let me understand, why are you saying that? What are you trying to say? What is going on? And then, if I'm walking through it all, and we've listened and we've heard it, we've had a chance to be in control and to think through it, and then if we need to be angry and need to be motivated something, then we can, but it's controlled and dealt with. So, listen more, speak less. That's the first way of overcoming anger. Second thing of overcoming anger, look what Proverbs 19.11 says. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it's his glory to overlook an offense. Wow. I'll be honest, I just don't like the second half of that verse. You don't either. That's why I can say it. It's more glorious, right, to hold somebody and, uh, you know, why'd you do that? And the Bible says that we get angry when we don't have good sense. Good sense 
good insight, good wisdom. People who are wise aren't quick to take offense and aren't quick to snap back and, and get after something, but instead are slow to anger. And there's even times when it's our glory to overlook a wrong that's been done. And you just go by it. You move beyond it. You see, we, need, we get angry often at times that just aren't there. Sometimes things really are there. I'm not blown by that. But we need some understanding. We need some understanding of the situation. Sometimes we don't understand the situation well. How many of you, I don't, you don't need to raise your hand, but how many of us really have gotten angry to only realize, oh, that's not at all what I thought was going on. Oh, why did I get all bothered by that? Because we were getting angry at something we didn't have understanding. Not only that, we should be, the Bible tells us that we should be thinking about the other person's interests at all times. And if we have an understanding, we need to be thinking about where they are and what's going on before we rise up and attack and rise up and let that anger go out. We need an understanding of them, of the situation. We even need an understanding in our own soul of how we respond. Some of us battle anger more than others. We do. Some of us battle other sins. Every one of us battle with certain sins, and they are kind of our chronic Achilles heel, if you will. They just, they just kind of nag at us, and we've got to be careful with them. We're just vulnerable to those. And for some of us, anger is that thing that we've got to be careful with. And the Bible tells us that, that it, good sense, good understanding and insight into even our own lives will help us to become slow to anger. We have, as you know, we have more cats at my house than I want. I'd be lying, not true confessions, I'd be lying if I'd say they haven't grown on me a bit. I would be truly lying, all right? I would. But four is just too many, okay? And if you really want a cat, come see me. I could make a deal. My kids would never talk to me again, my daughters in particular, but anyhow. So one of those cats, I thought we were okay. I thought I was down. We at the time had three. I thought, good, we're down to two. Like two's kind of, you know, kind of where I'd like to max limit be. And uh, that cat did not show up for dinner one night. And uh, it was loved by everybody in our family. And that's unusual. We let them out in the day and they come home to, to eat at night. And, and this one in particular likes to eat. And um, didn't show up, and then the next morning called for, didn't show up, didn't show up for that whole day, and the next day I'm thinking, yeah, this cat is a goner. I don't know where it is, and a coyote or fox or something got it in the night. And two or three days after, uh, one of my kids was leaving home, and she heard a meow at, from like the cedar bushes, and that cat came crawling out from under the bushes and obviously been hit by a car, probably just had crawled up laying under those bushes for, you know, a couple of days, and it poured rain the night before, probably between the rain and starving, and just finally motivated. Anyway, we dutifully took it to the vet, see what's wrong, I'm thinking, yeah, this cat isn't going to make it, and it was all, it couldn't stand up well, and the x-ray showed that the back end of it, of, of a cat, is supposed to be kind of like, they showed us on the x-ray, it's kind of like a rectangle, you know, the back end, and it kind of looked like that, you know, it was kind of pretty pronounced, you know, uh, hip was out of socket. Anyway, to this day, you would not know that cat's ever been hit. They really do have nine lives. I'm like, that is the craziest thing. This thing's running around. But I will tell you what, 
that cat is scared to death of cars. It used to always cross the road. It never crosses the road anymore. I mean, there's a, it could be a car coming in, uh, 200 yards down the road, and it will book it back to the house. It has a long memory. We each have long memories of things that have happened in our lives, do we not? And those things create emotions in us, do they not? And many of us, we've had hurts and things that have been intentionally done, expectations not met, and they've caused deep wounds in our soul. And very often, even if those wounds are healed over, they still carry a bit of a scar and some pain in there. And then up and along comes somebody else who knows nothing of that wound, and they say something or act a certain way or do something that we feel a little threatened. In other words, there's a car coming down the road. And anger is a protection device. It's a defense mechanism. And we can get angry on the spot at somebody and they're just like, whoa, what happened? And we can be quick-tempered. You see, the Bible is telling us that we need to have some insight and even understanding in our own lives to walk through some of that junk in the past and deal with it. And that some of the way we relate to people today is out of that in the past. Those of you that have walked through divorce and have been remarried, that's a common thing because you've got some hurts and bumps and things that you're used to previous spouses, previous spouse a certain way. And the next one's held even more accountable in that area than the previous one. And you can lash out of those relationships even when those are not a reality for your situation. And so there's a journey and an understanding that you've got to dive into your soul with the grace of God to help heal some of that and to overcome some of those things. But an understanding... And a wisdom will help you to do that. Will help you. Third thing, not only do we need to talk less and listen more, talk less, not only do we need to have more understanding of our own soul, of our own issues, and the other person and the situation, there needs to be some wisdom in that. But the, the third thing is, is we need to rule our own spirit. Look what 16.32 says. I read it earlier, but the second half of this is significant. Whoever slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Rules his spirit. If you want to overcome anger or these negative emotions, you need to rule your spirit. You need to take authority, take responsibility, and take control over it. Sean, it's not that easy. Oh, it sounds so good and it's just so cliche for you to do that. How dare you? I'm just telling you what God tells us. And in that moment, when I'm done, one angry, I'm like, yeah, I can't slow this freight train either. I'm like, how do I just stop with those feelings? But you and I need to take responsibility. Now, here's a sad reality. And by the way, if you're a school teacher, you know that some kids struggle with emotions more than others, right? You, you know that. If you, if you have a lot of kids in your family, you know that certain people struggle with things than others. Some of us, our emotions are like fire hydrants. They just kind of blow out of us. And others, it's more like just a leaky faucet that just kind of drips, you know? And we're all, we're all different, and we, we wrestle with these things in, in our own lives and our own soul separately. And, and so, but... You, 
You and I cannot control ourselves well apart from the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. That's the bottom line. You see, the fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says, the, the working of the Holy Spirit in our life is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit is the one, when you are living out your life, being filled with the Spirit, walking in step under His leadership, walking in the Spirit, that's where self-control comes in. When you and I, if we need to battle those emotions and then get in control of that, that self-control, that self-ruling is the fruit of God's working deeply in our life. In fact, we're most vulnerable when we're not being led by the Spirit because then all we got is us. So we all, everybody in this world needs to self-regulate emotions and all of that, but frankly, you're... What's the saying? You're spitting in the wind. Anybody knows you don't spit upwind because it you know, hits you in the face? It just, you're not going to get far. Because inside of you is that sin. It's still in there. And by the way, I remember this commercial when I was a kid. There was a commercial for a, like a foam. It was kind of before the stress balls, I think. It was like a foam brick. You could get this brick. It's, it, it helps when you have smartphones and cell phones and, you know, and those kinds of things, because you throw that instead of the phone, and, you know, just you get mad, you do it, and, it, and they were advertising, you know, like, get the stress and the anger out of your life. You don't get rid of anger by action. You don't get rid of anger by talking about it. In fact, what you do is you ingrain it and justify it. And you keep going over it. And you're like, you know what they did? Oh, they did that. Why did they do that? You're just reliving it. You're just circling the airport of that anger in your heart. And it goes nowhere. Whenever you and I, in other words, punching a wall never helps. Getting angry and doing something doesn't get the anger out of you. It just ingrains it and reinforces it. The way you get over it is through forgiveness and through trusting God and experiencing God's grace in your life and experiencing the controlling work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. So getting control through the Holy Spirit because He comes and lives inside of you when you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. He lives inside of you and He's changing you on the inside. Digging that junk up. Digging, cleaning that well out that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So rule your spirit. Fifth thing, and I've got to pick up speed. Find some tranquility. Look what 27.4 says. Wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? There is a tie in Proverbs, and we don't have time to talk about it, but jealousy and envy tie in with anger together. See, our emotions layer in on top of us. Depression, ultimately, people not happy with what they have and they're angry and then just kind of slow cooks and simmers down to depression because life's not what I want and really what's going on is there's anger in there they're unsatisfied and unhappy and they're angry about the way things have turned out and it's just a slow kind of simmering anger that can often boil into a depression but jealousy and envy are there as well chapter 14 and third verse 30 a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh but envy makes the bones rot There's a connection between jealousy and envy and and anger in these things. And oftentimes the jealousy and envy are a layer below the anger. 
because we're looking at something else that we want or whatever a way that, that others have and it gets us mad or, or somebody's taken something from us and, um, and we respond out of that. And the Bible tells us that a tranquil heart gives life to our bodies. But that envy, that jealousy settles down into us and can literally make us sick physically. We're all one being. You don't separate your body from your soul, from your, your intellect. All of it's one being. And we physically can get ill because we're neglecting things spiritually. Make no mistakes. These emotions are spiritual things. They're not primarily a physiological thing. They're primarily a spiritual reaction of what's going on in our life. They're a reflection of our soul. And we need to find tranquility, a peace, a calmness. Now, the world wants to tell us to do it through mindfulness and through breathing exercises and physical things and meditation. Some of that stuff can be helpful to a point. If I go out for a walk and I haven't walked in weeks, I feel good afterwards. I do a little bit of exercise. I wasn't, didn't this year, but if I play football after I haven't played football in a year, I don't feel so good. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's some limits in there. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you experienced it this past week. The tranquility that we're talking about doesn't come through that primarily. It comes from a peace with God. It comes through two things. Forgiving the individual or situation. And forgiving doesn't mean it doesn't get dealt with. Remember, anger leads to action. Sometimes actions need to be taken. But we forgive and we address it. But it also, the other piece of it, comes from trusting God. See, ultimately, our anger, when you and I get angry, we're often trying to deal with an injustice or something that's wrong, something that's been wrong to us, and God's like, God's the judge in heaven. He's the referee. He sees what's been done wrong, and He's like, yeah, I'm throwing a flag on that play. You were treated wrong. But dude, you were so in my way because you're so angry. Now i got to deal with you because you're off the chain, and I can't deal with that person. Now i got to deal with you. And instead, you and I need to trust God. Sean, that sounds so easy and that's so nice. I get it. That is not easy, depending on the things we're talking about here. But if you want to find tranquility and a peace, peacefulness and a calmness in your soul, it comes out of a forgiveness with the other person. And the reason you can forgive them is because you trust God that He's going to take care of you, whatever is going on. And the reason you're able to trust Him for what's going on in your life is because sometime in your past you trusted Him for salvation of your soul. You see, God, what God really wants is not to just make your life good and happy and take care of all of these emotions so you can be this put-together individual. What God really wants is He wants to forgive you of your sin and for you to spend eternity with Him instead of being separated from Him forever in a place called hell. He wants looking to say, my son died for your sins. He died for your anger. He died for your vengeance. He, he died for your greed. He died for your lies. He died for your sin. He died for all of that, your lust and all the things you've done wrong. And I want to forgive you of that. But you've got to take responsibility and you've got to surrender your life to Him in faith. When you and I trust Jesus, 
And we surrender our life knowing that He died on the cross to pay for our sins and we yield ourselves to Him, admitting our wrong and put our faith in Him and Him alone. We are forgiven of our sins and the Holy Spirit enters into our life. And then the real fun begins after that because the rest of our life, we then have to learn how to trust God with all the day-to-day affairs through the grind of life. And that's where most of us struggle with. We trust God the Lord Jesus, to forgive us of our sins. But now we've got to learn and grow to trust Him in every little area. And so we find that tranquility the more we trust Him for all those things in our life. Six things. Manage your expectations well. The desire of the righteous ends only in good, but the expectation of the wicked in wrath. When you go to jump in a pool... You expect to get wet, do you not? Your brain knows it. Your body braces for it. If it's cold water, you're really... If you're like me, I go the other way. The kids make fun of me. Dad, you're such a wimp and such a wuss. You just don't want to be... I just don't want to be in cold water. I'm like, that's why God made hot showers. You know, nothing against water. I just like a little heat with it. When you and I jump into the world in the beginning of our day... Why do we expect not to get wet? Why do we expect that everything should go our way? Why do we expect to not have problems? Why do we expect to not, that everybody around us should be perfect angels and not sinners? Why do we expect things won't break down? Why do we expect to not be inconvenienced? Why do we expect everyone to be looking out for us and not themselves? You see, the world is swimming in sin. The world in which we live is cursed, and every person and every soul is damaged by this, and we're walking around it. And oftentimes, you and I are expecting something that's just absolutely ridiculous, like jumping into a pool and not getting wet. And we need to manage our expectations a little bit better. Everything in life ultimately is going to be a headache, it's going to be a heartache, it's going to be a problem. I'm not saying that to depress you, I'm saying that to deal with reality. And we need to, we experience the sweetness and goodness in life through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we walk through that. And so often you and I get angry because other people have not met our expectations. Sometimes those expectations are valid. We ought to be treated well. And sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just just flat out selfish. And we get angry when we shouldn't be. So if you want to deal with your anger, deal with your expectations in life. And expect that you're going to deal with headaches. Now, of all of these that I've talked about, that's the one i got to deal with the most myself. So I'm talking to me as much as I am you this morning. So where are you personally today? Have you truly gone to the Lord Jesus and surrendered your life and faith to Him? If you're battling anger, that's the first step if you've not done that. You can't get true peace in your heart and soul until you surrender your life to Jesus. Because until that time, you're trying to make life work for you and that won't work. And what you really need to do is to give up and give in and trust that God died for you. And put your faith in Him. And if you've done that, then what's God spoken to you? Which one of those do you need to listen to? Do you need to be quiet, shut your mouth, and listen? 
Do you need to ask more questions? Well, why do you think that? Why did that mess you up? Why was this? And do you need to gain understanding of the other person? Maybe you need to get some things sorted out in your past. Men, there's a lot of there's a lot of men today walking around with daddy issues. Daddies that did not do well, that were absent, that did harm. And there's a lot of men walking around today with anger issues because of things in their past. And if that's you, talk to a friend, talk to one of us as pastors to navigate that. This is not psychotherapy. This is walking through and beginning to find out what God has done and applying the truths of God's Word to help you navigate that pain and that sin and sort through where you are so you can address your own sin issue, but come into terms with the wrongs that you've been that have been done to you. So maybe that's where you are. Maybe you need to recalibrate your expectations. Maybe you've been trying to find tranquility and peace outside of God and you just need to forgive, as painful as it is. But ultimately, guys, all of these boils down to choices. Choices that you and I make to deal with these things. So I encourage you to talk with someone. If you'd like to talk with one of us as pastors, you can always text us. Sean, I don't know your cell phone. Okay, well... Ask, I'd be glad to give it to you. Any of the pastors would, and if you want to, that's too much work, just take one of the cards out of the chair in front of you and just put your name and your, your number on it and say, I'd like to talk and drop it in the box. We'll, or put it in our hands. We'll be glad to talk, to help you. But whatever you need to deal with this, talk to God and talk to whoever else you need to to help you. Pray with me, would you? Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus that he died for us to save us Lord, we all know that we've had some difficult things in life. Lord, I suspect most of us, if not all of us, know that we don't react well out of those things. Lord, would you help us? Lord, I pray for those individuals this morning that have heard the gospel again and that just, Father, that need to take that step forward. They've heard about Jesus all their life and about you but they've never really admitted their sin and committed themselves in faith, surrendering to you. Lord, I pray that you would help them today to make that commitment, to talk to someone, to talk to you or to talk to somebody else who would help them. Lord, I pray for everyone else who just needs to think about some of these things and ask forgiveness and address them. Lord, forgive us when we've blamed others for our own emotions. Help us to find that tranquility with you, I pray.